Swing and a drive. Deep to left center field. Going, going. Goodbye, baseball. This is Extra Innings. Fastball swing and a miss. Strike three. That's going to retire the side. Seattle sports goes inside the Mariners with more stories, insights, and analysis than you'll find anywhere. Drilled up the middle. Oh, what a catch by J.P. Crawford. Step in the batter's box in the top of the tent right now. Would like to get that one back. Yep. Oh, man. But you know what? The losses sting this hard because the Mariners are still alive in the playoffs, which is a good thing, I think, because it's good to be feeling these feelings that we felt over the last, oh, 36 hours or so since the game ended yesterday on a walk-off home run from Jordan Alvarez that I don't think has landed yet in Houston. When you look at momentous home runs hitting that ballpark, you think of Albert Pujols' home run against Brad Lidge in the NLCS all those years ago, and I think number two is probably yesterday with Jordan Alvarez. But, uh, boy, that was a tough one to swallow, especially with the Mariners being an out away, being a strike away from winning game one of the ALDS. You would have been up 1-0. You would have had Luis Castillo on the mound going in game two, and and now you're playing from behind. For the first time in this postseason, we're going to find out what this Mariners team is like playing at a deficit because even in the Blue Jays series, they had not trailed in game one. They won it 4 nothing. Even in the first inning, they, they played it three runs. Now, game two, obviously, they storm back, have that crazy comeback, and beat the Blue Jays. But we have not seen them with a deficit in the series yet, playing with their backs against the wall. Because if you lose on Thursday, if you lose tomorrow, now you're in a 2-0 hole and you're forced to win out. You're forced to play three straight must-win games. Now, granted, two of those are going to be at home, which you're going to be playing in front of a crazy, insane T-Mobile Park crowd on those days. But boy, oh boy, would you have liked to have had that one back. Now, let's let's dive into it. We're, we're going to rip the Band-Aid off here on Extra Innings. Curtis Rogers with you from 7-9 to nine tonight here on Seattle Sports Station. Let's dive into that decision. Now, Robbie Ray has not had it in, in the postseason, obviously, and that was prior to yesterday. His start against the Blue Jays did not leave really anybody feeling comfortable about his stuff right now. And look at the end of his regular season, too. It wasn't really there. It wasn't really comforting the way he finished up the regular season now. He is one of your big signings. He was your biggest signing of the free agency period uh, prior to the 2022 season. But, you know what? You got to go with the hot hands. And, and I don't think he was the hot hand at all in that situation. Now, hindsight is obviously uh, going to make that <laughs> take a lot. You know, uh, you know, it's obviously going to make me look smart by, by saying that because we know what happened. But even in game two of the wild card series, when they put George Kirby in, I was still a little hesitant. Now, Kirby was able to work his way out of it. He was able to get the save in that game and clinch game two of that of that round. But, man, this bullpen right now, there are lots of question marks when it was maybe the surest thing three games ago. It was maybe the surest thing at the end of the regular season. Now, you wonder if Paul Seawald is dealing with a little bit of the yips. You wonder 
if Andres Munoz is uh, is fatiguing, he's been used in all three games. You wonder where the heck is Eric Swanson? Where has he been? He hasn't he hasn't pitched in a week. He hasn't pitched since game one sixty two. The bullpen is what has carried this team in the regular season, and right now, it's the reason why they are where they are in game or after game one of the American League Division Series. Now, is it the bullpen's fault entirely, or maybe you're asking a little bit too much of them? To me, it's it's an interesting spot to be in because I look at this Mariners team and. Yes, the bullpen is why you are where you're at in the regular season, or how you got through the regular season. But as we know, you cannot manage the postseason the way you manage the regular season. And a guy, now I hate to bring up this guy's name here in town because everybody's going to roll their eyes, but last night on the Fox Sports postgame show following the Dodgers-Padres game, uh, they were talking about the ending of the Mariners Astros game in Game One. Alex Rodriguez, who is an analyst uh, on the Fox Sports One pregame show, he also does work with ESPN's uh, Sunday Night Telecast. Here was his answer as to why the Mariners bullpen may be faltering. The problem is the cause and effect. We're talking about the effect. The cause of it is these managers have to stop this trend of pulling their starters too early. The Cardinals did it last weekend, pulling Jose Quintana after 75 pitches. Mm. He hadn't broken a sweat. It cost him dearly. Today was Gilbert after 84. So, Kevin, whatever you give up on the front end, you're going to pay it on the back end. And to put Ray in a situation where he really hasn't really done that before, you either go with your best. And, Frank, I like what you said. Maybe you walk Alvarez because you have Reggie Jackson, you have Big Poppy, and you have Alvarez, the modern-day kings in October. Maybe the Mariners paid dearly for pulling Logan Gilbert so early. But... Look, in playoff baseball, you really don't want your starting pitcher facing the lineup a third time through. And Gilbert had, for the most part, looked good. Now, he did run into some trouble there. He did give up three runs on the day. But I do think there was still a little bit left in the tank for Gilbert once he was pulled, as A-Rod pointed out there after just 84 pitches, which, uh, you know, Gilbert is a big boy. He can handle a lot more pitches than 84. Maybe the Mariners are putting too much of an onus right now on their relief pitching. You look at game two, and yes, they were forced to go to their bullpen because Robbie Ray didn't have it after three innings. But, man, you look at how game one of the wildcard series set themselves up for game two. You had Luis Castillo going seven shutout innings, seven and a third shutout innings, I should say. And then you only went to Andres Munoz right after that. To me, it feels like right now bullpen management is is a thing that could or probably is making and breaking this Mariners team right now. How do you manage this bullpen? How do you get from your starting pitcher to the 27th out? Because if you can't get there right now with Paul Sewald and maybe Andres Munoz, how do you do it? How do you get from the end of your starter's day to that 27th out? Because they got to out number 26 yesterday, and they got to within one strike of winning game one, and they couldn't do it. And, you know, as Paul Seawalt pointed out in his postgame comments yesterday, look, if if Seawalt does his job, then Ray doesn't even have to come in during the game. 
not the way we drew it up when I jogged out there. Um, it was frustrating, frustrating to walk people, frustrating. Could have, I had Pena two strikes and didn't make the pitch, and you know, Robbie never should have gone out there. That's you know, that's my job. That's what I've been doing really well all season, and to not do it was was disappointing. That you know, felt like I let down the team, and um, just got to shake it and get back to work. I commend Paul Seawald for having that mentality because look, no one wants to be in that position, and no one wants to do something that somebody else is going to have to bear the brunt of in terms of the the criticism because obviously Robbie Ray he's feeling it today for sure just as he felt it yesterday and he's probably going to feel it tomorrow and until he if he ever pitches again in the postseason this year uh he'll continue to feel it it's just playoff baseball is such a different beast it is so different than the regular season you you can get away with with a night like last night in the middle of July, in the middle of August, because tomorrow is absolutely guaranteed. Tomorrow, you know, is going to come. There's going to be another day. But right now, the Mariners have to win three of four. They have to win three of their next four in order to keep their season alive, in order to advance to the American League Championship Series. Now, game one proved that Houston is beatable. They are very beatable. You just can't beat yourselves along the way. And that's what happened with the Mariners in game one. But playoff baseball, man, it just it changes guys, it changes managers, it changes everybody involved with it. Anybody that that appears on the field, man, you got to have that ice in your veins. You got to be able to compartmentalize better than you've ever had to do in your entire career. And and maybe the moment is a little too big for a lot of for some of these guys on this Mariners roster who have never had postseason experience. Carlos Santana, obviously the most seasoned player on this Mariners roster you know he's pretty unaffected by this but you look at the the rest of the roster I mean there are very few guys that have legitimate postseason experience but when I say legitimate I'm talking like multiple trips to the postseason I'm talking you know advancing deep into the playoffs Santana's played in the World Series other guys really haven't made it that far and and you wonder if we're learning a lot about what pressure can do in this situation not the kind of pressure that Alec Manoa was talking about prior to the Mariners wild card series uh, against them where he's like pressure something you put in tires not no that's not how the saying goes Alec but I digress we have learned a lot about this Mariners team over the course of three games Maybe more so than we learned about them over the course of 162, which goes to show just how magnified postseason baseball is. Now, tomorrow or yesterday was not the end of their season by any stretch of the imagination. They are sending their ace out to the mound in Game 2 tomorrow. So there is still a possibility of them stealing a game from Houston, which is what you want to do as the road team. And then you go home and play two in front of your in front of your crazed out home crowd, a home crowd that has been dying for playoff baseball over the last couple decades. They get that opportunity on Saturday. There is still an opportunity for this Mariners team to win this series. I'm not I'm not even saying to even up this series to win this series, but they got to take advantage of it. They got to bear down. They got to be able to say what happened in Game One is not who we are. This is who we are. We got to be able to to drop that and let it be in the past. Coming up next here on Extra Innings, we've got Brandon Gustafson. He joins me just after the break. Also, Chandler Rome covers the Astros. He does a great job. He will be joining me to talk about Game One and also how the Astros kind of 
are setting up the rest of their series. He's with the Houston Chronicle. All that is coming your way, including Scott Services. Press conference from earlier today. More to come. Extra Innings continues on here on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You are listening to Extra Innings Inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Joining me now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline for the first time in Division Series history. We've got Brandon Gustafson joining me on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Brandon, man, I feel... So, when I got to work today, I just kind of sat at my desk for like 15 to 20 minutes hoping that somehow we could put our show together and then like not have to do anything and not have to like relive yesterday but you know what that's really tough in our industry to not relive <laughs> the like biggest moment of the day yesterday a moment that everybody just kind of points back to and oh. when you were watching game 1 yesterday you see Robbie Ray come out of the bullpen to face Jordan Alvarez what was your initial reaction uh, two things. One was, where is Eric Swanson? That was the first reaction. And uh, the second one was, don't throw him a fastball. And then he pipes two fastballs down the heart of the plate, and all of a sudden uh, I'm deleting a story that I wrote for the website. Brent Stecker was deleting a column that he wrote for the website, and all of a sudden just everything changed. And, um you know, going going into this series, you knew that the Mariners had to steal at least one in Houston. Uh, it, it, you know, now you got to wait till tomorrow and hope that Luis Castillo is the guy to be able to do that yet again. But, man, when you're talking about getting six runs off of Justin Verlander and ten hits and you're chasing him after four innings, you got to win that game. And, unfortunately, uh, just, just didn't happen for the M's yesterday. Yeah, uh, you bring up just – their ability to knock Verlander around yesterday. I mean, you even get a home run out of J.P. Crawford. You don't want to waste those kinds of opportunities, and yet yeah. here we are talking and, and licking the wounds after game one. You mentioned uh, you know, Eric Swanson and his uh, disappearance, really. He has not pitched in a week. He'll, he'll have gone an entire week without throwing since, I believe it was game 162, the last time he threw a ball in a game. I I wonder why it is the Mariners have shied away from him now twice because we saw in game two of the wildcard series, he was up and throwing, but they did go to George Kirby instead. And then yesterday, I don't even think he was throwing at all. Why do you think they are shying away from using Eric Swanson in these high leverage situations, considering that he was one of their better high leverage pitchers in the regular season? Yeah, that's a that's a good question, and I really don't have a, a good answer, unfortunately. Especially because, well, w- one thing to look at yesterday is Robbie Ray should have never been in that situation for a few reasons. One is that the obvious is he's not a reliever, and a guy coming in who's used to routine as a starter uh, shouldn't be coming in in a game uh, with with two outs with guys on base. That that's just not normal. We saw that with George Kirby, where they made it very clear he was not going to come in with runners on base. Uh, and then obviously the the home run ball being such a big factor, like like Robbie Ray, that that's one of his weak spots. He gives up a lot of home runs. He's still a very good pitcher, but that that's that's kind of that weak spot for him. Eric Swanson has given up three home runs all year long, one to lefties and. Even if you're going up there and you're kind of pitching around, uh, you're pitching around Alvarez to be able to to get to Bregman. It just, I, I don't know. It, it it's it's definitely one of those things where everything's going to be either great or bad in hindsight. But 
when you have a guy like Swanson who's just been as effective as he's been this year, especially when it comes to limiting home runs and especially being uh, really effective against left-handed hitting, I mean, it kind of made sense where he wasn't used in Toronto just because they really are so right-handed heavy. But uh, Houston has one of the premier left-handed bats, and you don't really have that go-to left-on-left option in your bullpen, and that's kind of been Swanson's thing. So it seems like if there was any spot for him, it, it would have been that ninth inning yesterday with Alvarez coming up. But, man, it also stinks that you had Munoz and Seawald going out there and not being able to do their job because giving Alvarez two at-bats in the eighth and ninth inning and him hurting you both times, I mean, that's a that's a big blow, letting their best guy beat you like that. Brandon Gustin of SeattleSports.com joining us here on Extra Innings this evening. And, and Brandon, you bring up – Seawald and, and Munoz, I, I think the bigger concern for me right now is with Paul Seawald. Munoz, yeah, he gives up the home run to Alex Bregman, but we saw him in Game 1 and Game 2 of the Toronto series uh, have success. He pitched uh, the extended save in Game 1. or well, He didn't get credit for the save, but he closed out the game pitching in an inning and two-thirds, and then he pitched uh, a little bit longer also in Game 2. He gives up the home run to Bregman yesterday, but Seawald in Game 2... He didn't have it, and maybe that was a pitch com thing. Maybe it was uh, Toronto's manager getting getting inside of his head. But then yesterday, I mean, he just wasn't as sharp as he was in the regular season. Is this just simply maybe fatigue, or is this just the moment potentially being a little too big for him? Yeah, it's it's hard to tell because he was he was a strike away from getting out of that game. I mean, he he made a good pitch to Pena, and he he hit it up the middle, so you got to tip your cap there, but. It is. It, it it does change everything for this team when when you look at their their top high leverage guys not being able to get through the the, the tougher parts of this Houston lineup and Houston has a tough lineup. We've one through nine. They're just relentless. They don't strike out a ton. They hit the ball out of the ballpark. And obviously, Minute Maid Park is one of the harder places to to pitch in baseball. That short porch in left field, the the kind of wonky dimensions. It it makes it difficult and. Um, yeah, like, like you, I'm definitely a little more concerned about Paul Seawald because we saw Munoz dominate in that first game. Uh, didn't really have the best stuff in the second game, but was still able to kind of work his way through it. And even the pitch to Bregman, I mean, it was it was middle of the plate, but it was down um, with, with the slider. That was really the, the big mistake he made. I thought the pitch that he made to, to Alvarez that he smoked on the right field line wasn't that bad of a pitch either. So, um, if if Seawall's going to be a little bit of a concern, then you know it goes back to guys like we talked about Swanson and maybe maybe Matt Brash instead of being that pivot high leverage guy, maybe he is a seventh eighth ninth inning type. I mean, uh, if they're the team that that doesn't have designated guys for specific innings and they're looking at certain pockets of the lineup, then maybe at this point, especially because you can't really afford to drop another game, you you really have to look at potentially maybe putting Seawald in less of a high leverage spot and uh, maybe having somebody like Brash or Swanson kind of take over that role instead. Brandon, you look at this starting rotation now, how it shapes up. Uh, You're going to have to go with George Kirby in game three. I think that is pretty obvious based off of uh, what we saw in game one. That would mean Logan Gilbert probably game four. And then game five, you have the potential of Luis Castillo on three days rest. You could also go bullpen day. You could also go Robbie Ray. I mean, if it comes down to it in game five, uh, who do you see getting the ball for this team? I mean, uh, you'd probably think it's Castillo. Yeah, I mean, short rest or not, that that's the reason you get a guy like Luis Castillo is to be the dude. 
Um, if they're kind of shying away from that, the other option would be to shake up your roster a little bit and maybe roll with Chris Flexen as long as he can because Chris Flexen's a guy that when you look at his numbers against Houston this year, yeah, they all came in, in starts, and obviously he's been in the bullpen since the end of July, but he had really, really good numbers against the Astros. See, Raj, he had a 270 ERA across five stars. He had 30 innings against them. It was the most innings he threw against any team, and just uh, did a really good job against a really dangerous lineup, and I was I was surprised that he was left off the roster. Uh, so so maybe if this if the series does end up going four or five games, maybe you do see kind of a shuffle there. Maybe he replaces somebody like like Matt Festa, or or if a reliever's gone a few games here in the first two or three games, and maybe he he goes and takes their spot. But uh, I, I think Chris Flexen's somebody that you could keep an eye on if the series goes five games, but just based on Luis Castillo's stuff and who he is and and all the, the resources that they've provided to get him on this team long-term, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Luis Castillo on Monday. Should we get there? Now, you, you mentioned the possibility of Chris Flexen being added to the Division Series roster. There are some wrinkles that, if he does get added, uh, maybe walk us through them, Brandon, that uh, whoever gets removed from the roster not only has to miss the rest of the series but also i believe it's the next one correct yeah so yeah if if say you know just for for an example like matt festa say matt festa goes out and he throws two combined innings between games like two and three or three and four something like that and he's not going to be available game five but they want another fresh arm in there and they want to get chris flexen in there then they they would have to do a swap and yeah Matt Festa would would be ineligible for this series and he'd be ineligible for the ALCS so only way a guy like that uh, either you know Festa or anybody else who gets replaced for whatever reason in the middle of a series the only way they can come back is if they win the following series too so if if anybody gets replaced mid series this year uh, in this one and then we wouldn't see them until the World Series and that, that's just kind of how that works. Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com here on Extra Innings with me. And Brandon, it's funny how heading into the postseason, the area of concern with the Mariners was the offense. It wasn't the pitching staff. Three games into this, (laughs) all the questions (laughs) I've asked you today have been about the pitching staff. I've got no concern about the offense right now. What do you make of the the bats right now? Because they've really been swinging it well. Yeah, it's something I wrote about um, yesterday before the game started, which was that something that really stood out to me with their Game 2 comeback was, yeah, they got the big home run from Carlos Santana that kind of got them right back into the thick of things. But that game was them piling hits together and stringing hits and base runners together. And and that's something that this team throughout the year just hasn't done. Like, they'll be the first to tell you. They're like, well, we kind of we want to work a walk or – get a guy on and then hopefully hit the ball out of the ballpark. And that, that's kind of been their MO on offense this year. And yeah, they have a few home runs sprinkled in, in all of these games, but I, I thought that, that yesterday and game two were really good examples of this team, just kind of piling hits and base runners together. And that's really, really encouraging. Um, yesterday you were able to get something from Julio and Ty France that you didn't really get in that wild card round. Adam Frazier's come to life. Cal Raleigh just continues to be a revelation. Suarez is red hot. This lineup is is now as deep as it's been all season long. I mean, you're getting production from J.P. Crawford hitting the ball at the ballpark, and obviously he had the two-run double on Saturday. Um, so so that, that part of it's really encouraging. And, and Houston has arguably the best pitching staff in baseball. They have the number one bullpen ERA. 
Uh, I think they're number two in team ERA. They, they have a great starting rotation, and you got to their best guy yesterday. So that's going to be something to keep a close eye on. I mean, no pitcher that they're going to run out there in these next few days until Verlander potentially in game four. Uh, no pitcher is going to be better than Justin Verlander. So you got to be feeling really good from the lineup perspective. But, yeah, I mean, the, the pitching is what's kind of got you to this point. So definitely got to get a little more contributions, especially on the back end of your bullpen, just because you've had some of these uh, these kind of shake-up, blow-up moments over these past two games. Go follow Brandon Gustafson on Twitter, at TheBGustafson. Read all of his work at seattlesports.com. Brandon, really appreciate you joining me this evening. Uh, and. I hope we get a talk again, you know, with with this playoff uh, run here. Tomorrow's never guaranteed, so who knows uh, yeah, when, no when the next edition of Extra Innings will be. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, again, hopefully you, you got to steal one in Houston at, at some point of, if you're going to win this series. And obviously we had a good shot yesterday, but uh, given Luis Castillo the ball, he hasn't faced Houston this year. He's only faced them one time. I think that's going to be really interesting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that matchup. At, Everybody will be because uh, Luis is your horse. You got to get him out there. He's Brandon Gustin. Really appreciate you joining me. Yeah, you bet. Up next, we've had uh, more than 24 hours to sleep on it. How does Scott Service feel a day later after his decision to put Robbie Ray in in the ninth inning backfired in the most dramatic fashion possible? We hear from the Mariners skipper who stepped to the podium today. That's coming your way next. This is Extra Innings on Seattle Sports Station of the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings, Inside the Mariners, on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Would you do it over again if you could? I'm sure all of us would take a do-over on Game 1. Scott Service, he stepped to the podium today to speak to the media in attendance at Minute Maid Park, just going over the rest of the series and all of the fallout from the ending of Game 1. How does he feel a day later about his decision to go with Robbie Ray in the ninth inning against Jordan Alvarez? Well, let's take a listen to what the skip had to say. As we prep for each and every game throughout the regular season and, and the postseason, and a lot of it is tied into who's available, you know, what the matchups are. And our matchup numbers are they're developed by us, just like every team has an analytical group that puts all the information together and it, it spits out a number to me and my coaching staff and the whole strategic group that puts together game plans and how we're going to use guys. So, you know, you rely on it. You stay true to the process in understanding the pieces you have available, pieces of the players you have available that day to go ahead and, and hopefully, you know, finish off the game. It didn't happen yesterday. It didn't work out. But I don't know if anybody remembers, but just a couple days ago we were in Toronto and George Kirby got the last three outs in a position he'd never been in his life. Why did we make that decision at that time? Because our process led us to that decision. And it worked great. And, but it was a spot that, that George had never been in before, but we thought at that time it gave us the best decision to win the game, just like yesterday. We thought at that time it had made, was the best decision to allow us to win the game. So, again, a lot goes into it. Um, I said when the playoffs started, the beauty of the playoffs is there's – there's so many eyes, and ever, there's so much at stake. And the thing we forget oftentimes is the best players in the world are playing at this time. It's a really good team we're playing. We played a fantastic game yesterday. We really did. We were all over. Probably the guys are going to win the Cy Young this year. Awesome at bats. We played very good defense. We controlled the strike zone. We were in charge of the game. The eighth and the ninth inning did not go our way. Okay? And you have to give the other team some credit. Um, Andres Munoz is out there probably – him and Eddie Diaz, probably the most dominant late-inning relievers in baseball over the last few months. 
Alex Bregman hits a two-run homer off him. And they got deeper in that inning that allowed some other things to happen in the ninth inning. So you have to give credit to these guys on the other side. They get paid to play, too, and they're just as competitive as anybody else, and they've been there before. So, again, it didn't work go in our favor. Our process was really good. Stand by it. Uh, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to get off it. Why would you? That's what got us to this point. What got us to this point is leaning on Paul Seawald and Andres Munoz and Diego Castillo and the guys out of the bullpen. But, uh, again, you know, tough one yesterday. We will put it behind us. Anybody's watched us all year long knows how resilient this group is. We've had our backs against the ball. Which, one game. Five-game series are not won with one game. Okay? It certainly helps. It puts you in a better position. There's no question about it. But we'll come back out tomorrow. We'll play a good game. Again, very confident of that. I know the makeup of this club as good as anybody and feel very strongly about it. So, again, long-winded answer. It's coming. I, I get it. It's part of the job. But I love playoff baseball. I do. I'm not going to back away from it. But there's decisions that happen throughout the course of it that will go your way and some that won't go your way. But we had a good process behind it, and I feel good about it. Hey, Scott. We're obviously uh, able to access some public-facing information, baseball reference splits and all that. Mm -hmm. I'm not asking you to give away any of your proprietary secrets, but beyond the left-on-left matchup, specifically Robbie against Alvarez there, what are maybe a few of the things that you could tell us that you liked about the matchup? Well, Robbie Ray's obviously a very accomplished pitcher. Uh, It is left-on-left, but... Jordan Alvarez is very good left on left. We know that going into it. You have to weigh the odds and where it's at right there. And, again, I'm looking at the numbers that are in front of me. I trust them. And what plays into that is not just the handedness of the pitcher, but what that hitter hits, what that pitcher fires out there. Now you've got to get the ball. You've got to execute. You've got to get the ball in the right spots. And hopefully it leads you to the result you're looking for. But uh, to break it all down and tell you how the soup is made, I'm probably not going to do that for you, Corey. That's it. Why would I? You know, every team has information like that, and you're trying to predict the future. But the game is played by humans. You know, there are guys out there, they are athletes. There's a lot that plays into it, and you have to go out and execute it, and hopefully it goes your way. Even if you execute sometimes, the guys on the other team are good too at this time of year. Go to JP. Right. Thanks, Scott. Uh, yep. Looking at the at the bullpen options and also starting options, does having used Robbie in relief make it more likely that perhaps you go with Kirby in Game Three and keep Robbie in the pen? That's you're on top of it, JP. <laughs> yeah, that, that decision was made obviously before the series started, uh, which led into some things in availability of Robbie yesterday. So that's the way we're leaning right now. Go in the front, to Larry. Uh, Scott, you said before the game yesterday that you're going to need Paul Seawald in leverage situations. Yep. He had the bad outing in Toronto. He didn't get through the ninth yesterday. Where, where are you with him, and, and what are you seeing from him? I, I do know, and it's, it's a fair question, Larry. Um, the only way for the Mariners to get to the World Series and win it, you have to lean on the people that got you here. Uh, and looking at our bullpen, it's certainly it, it's, it's Diego, it's Munoz, it's Seawald, it's Swanee in the right pockets, it's Matt Brash in the right pockets. Those are the guys that got us here. You don't all of a sudden flip script right now. And if you look at the inning yesterday, I'm sure there's some, some pitches Paul would like to have back. You know, the hit by pitch or the walk, um, certainly heard. I thought he executed a pretty good pitch that Payne got a single on. It happens. And he's good, too. But you uh, uh, really can't start, you know, flipping all over the map. Um, that's not what got us here. One in front of Matt. Scott, this might uh, play into the whole how the soup was made thing, but you have – people might be wondering, the armchair quarterbacks – 
Robbie hadn't played well against, or hadn't pitched well against the Astros this year. He didn't have a good outing the last time um, in the playoffs. You had a, a lefty, Matthew Boyd, in, in, in the bullpen as well. These are just questions. I'm not saying they're the right answers, but how, how would you respond to that? We made the decision we made based on the players we had available, based on the number and the information I had available, and stand by it. Go to Ryan. Hey, Scott, you mentioned Swanee. We, we haven't seen him. I, don't, I think he warmed up in Toronto. I didn't know if maybe he's, like you, what you say, the soggy or anything like that, or if he's not feeling great. I know he hadn't been great down the stretch. Is that a, a factor, too, is kind of the numbers he put up in the last five or six games? Because he had been a pretty big part of your, your roster, so we just didn't know if he was available or not. Yeah, no, Swanee's been available. Uh, again, you're looking at trying to look at, at pockets and where we were at uh, in the ball game, and uh, there's certain hitters and, and um, parts of the lineup that Swanee matches up better than others against. Um, you know, I'm sure you'll see him in there this series. I can't imagine us uh, winning this series without using Eric Swanson in, in key points and key moments. Again, I can say it over and over, and you can say, oh, he's not really answering the question. I am answering the question, okay? And <laughs> there's no other way to put it. Uh, you know, when, when you have a plan and you go into it and you believe in a process and what you're doing and how you do it, and the numbers match up with where everybody is on board with it, and you know, it's it's myself, it's coaching staff, it's analytical group, it's it's a strategic group. There's a lot of people involved here, and everybody is in agreement going ahead with it. And you pull the trigger, so to speak, and it doesn't work out. You have to live with that, and I certainly can. I believe in our team. We got a really good team. We belong here. And it's been a long time since we've been in the playoffs. And I, and I know our, our fan base and everybody around the mayor is starving. This is what you're starving for. It's the highs and the lows and the, everything along the way. And as great as it was Saturday night in Toronto, you know, we felt the low yesterday. That's okay. That's the beauty of playoff baseball. That's why we watch it with such intensity. And there's so much impact and, and value and every, so much tied to every pitch. It's awesome. We need to... <laughs> We need to enjoy it. We really do. I am. Yesterday was rough. No question about it. But I know how hard it is to get here, how hard it is to win here. That's, that's the beauty of the whole thing. Be grateful where we're at. We've got a chance to win tomorrow. We send the rock to the hill, and I like our chances. Go in the middle over here. Vigo Tamari and Como News in Seattle. Uh, on the other side of that, the, you know, 10 runs against Toronto, 7 yesterday, the way the bats have woken up, and different guys doing it. How encouraging is that going forward? I mentioned earlier, I thought we played a great game yesterday. The first seven innings, as good as we can do offensively uh, against you know, Justin Verlander. probably won the Cy Young this year. We were on it. We made great adjustments. Um, he was a little off earlier. He made some good pitches that we hit. He made some bad pitches that we hit. I mean, up and down the lineup, uh, the guys were on it. And you can't ask for any more. We got key double play turned in the seventh inning. But our defense, Kellick made a nice play. And a ball that was roped to left field to him. Um, the guys were in the rocks. I mean, we executed the game, planned perfectly. We just didn't get it done in the, in the last, in the eighth and ninth inning. Uh, it's it baseball. But again, uh, our team, were we down yesterday? If you're going to find me a team that's not down after that game, that's a rough one. You know, um, talking to our guys afterward, we're in here today, getting some treatment, make sure we're ready to go tomorrow. Our guys understand we've lost some tough games before, um, and we do always bounce back. There's no reason we won't this time. Go in the middle with Chris. Hey, Scott, you mentioned you got the rock tomorrow. Uh, just uh, what makes him so good, and it's just been such a nice addition to this club. He's got great stuff, first of all. You know, the two-seam fastball, the riding four-seam, the slider, the changeup. He's got all the pitches. He's got a very good demeanor. 
on the mound. Uh, I don't think the moment gets too big for him. He just keeps executing and throwing his stuff up there. Uh, you got to play good defense behind him. I thought we did that in Toronto. Uh, we've done it for the majority of the year. Uh, there are going to be some ground balls hit. You got to make plays. Uh, he's got the ability to strike you out, but you know this club they're going to put the ball in play. So you got to play good defense and, and be on top of your game. So. Again, especially uh, against the Astros, they do a very good job of controlling counts, working their way into counts. They're going to grind through at bats. And in doing that, you've got to just keep executing and executing and executing, and you know, you'll get the result you're looking for. So, uh, and there's a certain something about certain pitchers in the game. And I think Luis Castillo has that. When he takes the mound, I know how our team feels playing behind him. Like he's a dude. Like, you know, he, he's just how he, his mannerisms on the mound, the other team knows it. Uh, the looks on the batter's faces when they're getting in the on-deck circle or they're in the dugout and you look into the other dugout, like, he's got great stuff. And, and um, there's no reason he can't have a great outing for us tomorrow. That was Scott Service speaking with the media today in Houston. When we return on Extra Innings, Aaron Goldsmith, he stopped by bumping Stacy earlier today to – Dissect that move. Also, how he sees the Mariners lining up against this Astros team going forward in this five-game series. Still more to get to on extra innings. We've got almost, uh, we've got more than an, an hour of coverage still coming your way here this evening. We're on until 9 p.m. Don't go anywhere. This is Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You are listening to Extra Innings Inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Curtis Rogers back with you here on Extra Innings coming up in about 15 minutes. Chandler Rome of the Houston Chronicle, he's going to join me to give an Astros side of things as this series continues to roll on. Game two tomorrow here on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. But up next, or well, right now I should say, Aaron Goldsmith, food opinions aside, he's one of my favorites in how he views the game. He views it in such a different lens than, than so many others that I know of. He joined Bump and Stacy earlier today to talk about just all that went into game one in this series. And, and even with the devastating loss aside, how it sets up for the Mariners going forward in this series is, look, it's it's still not over just yet. Joining Shannon Dreyer, Michael Bumpus, and myself now is Mariners broadcaster Aaron Goldsmith. And uh, Goldie, I got to say, if uh, if the high of the postseason was watching this team come back down 8-1, then the low and the gut punch was watching Alvarez walk it off yesterday for Houston. Well, I don't think you'll ever find back-to-back games in franchise history that have a greater swing than those two there's no question shannon i haven't talked to you forever how you doing hey aaron remember me <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's uh it was it was obviously uh just as great of a gut punch as this game can offer any one team it was uh, it was terrible it was a terrible loss and uh, i don't think anybody anticipated the mariners were going to sweep the postseason uh, but nevertheless, that's not how you want to lose the game. Uh, it is just one loss. It feels like more than one, but it is just one loss. And the Mariners have the right guy going on the mound tomorrow, and they'll have to they'll have to put it behind them. There's no question. Aaron, we did not have a chance to talk last night. You guys did in the first half of the post game show. I jumped in there the second game, or the second half of the post game show. I know you discussed a lot of what was seen, and I know you. I know you probably went back to the hotel, and you and Gary and everybody else kind of dove a little bit more into what we saw. What questions do you have kind of after almost 24 hours of letting that kind of sit and being able to get into it a little bit? Well, I think to me the 
the question concerning the final at bat was why did we not see a slider? Right? I mean, that's, that's Robbie's best pitch. Uh, you would think that if you executed it properly, uh, down and away to a left-handed hitter like Alvarez that at worst he's in the ballpark and he's not going to hit the most titanic home run maybe we've seen all year. You know, when you, when you look at, at Alvarez this year against sliders, I mean, it's hard to find hitters that are like great slider hitters, uh, but those guys do exist. And as you can imagine, they're typically the best hitters in the game. And Jordan Alvarez is one of those guys. I mean, he is right there in the top five of guys who punish sliders. If there's one thing he's susceptible, when you, when you just look at the data, it is sync. Um, now, let's not, let's not pretend what we don't already know, which is, like, find me a good matchup for Jordan Alvarez. I mean, that's just the Mariners. I mean, find me any pitcher in the American League where you say, I feel good about this guy against Jordan Alvarez. I mean, if, if Aaron Judge was suddenly beamed into outer space, is Jordan Alvarez the best hitter in the American League, the most feared hitter in the American League? I mean, yeah, I think so. I mean, he, he combines everything you want in a hitter. He's terrifying. So whether it's Robbie Ray or whomever else, nobody's a good matchup. You know, if you're wanting Swanson or you're wanting, I don't know, pick your guy. There's not a good guy to face him. Um, I, I don't have a problem with Robbie Ray pitching there. You know, it's not to soapbox this thing, but it, but I will. You know, it's funny. Like, there are people who say, uh, I don't ever want Robbie Ray to face the Astros because the Astros have crushed Robbie Ray. And then there are people saying, why are you putting a starter in the bullpen? That's what a reliever is for. Well, you got to have one or the other, unless he's just literally not going to be on the roster and pitch, which is not going to be the case. I mean, I credit the Mariners for um, making the move to putting him in the bullpen and maximizing his value. I mean, his value is as a a left-on-left death pill. I mean, like, that's what you are hoping for, that the guy will just absolutely crucify left-handed hitters. That did not happen. It was, from what I can gather, from from the Mariners' perspective, it was the right pitch choice. I mean, they, they clearly wanted to exploit whatever slight weakness he has relative to other pitches that he sees with the sinker, it was just poorly executed. I mean, like you can't throw Jordan Alvarez, a 92, 93 mile an hour sinker, basically over the heart of the plate. I mean, when Aaron judge was chasing Roger Maris's record, what did he say? He said, home runs aren't hit. They're thrown. I mean, Robbie Ray threw him a home run and you can't do that to Jordan Alvarez. He will hit it 500 feet and he'll walk it off. And that's what happened. Aaron, no, uh, no denying the uh, that that game was tough, right? Is a a punch in the gut is the phrase that I keep hearing. And yes, the Mariners are going to feel that. But what do you think they learned or gained from being in that situation with the Astros? I have no idea, Bump. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, I'll just be honest. I mean, I, you know what? If if there's one thing you learn. Um, I think we all learned this, and, and maybe maybe the Mariners knew it already. Maybe some of them did, and others did not. This time of year, man, like one mistake, and it can cost you the whole game. It's not like that in May, but it's like that in October. I mean, we're all focusing on Robbie Ray because that's the visual, right? That's the scar from that game. But you know, Munoz threw Bregman 
a slider that was over the middle of the plate at the knees. Mm-hmm. I mean, Munoz has been as dominant of a reliever that this game has had for months. I mean, he'd given up two barrels in roughly his last, I don't know, like 30 or 40 appearances or something. And he gave up two yesterday. Um, I mean, he threw a slider in the wrong spot. That made it a two-run game. You know, Paul Sewald has been as big of a rock of any bullpen in baseball since early last year. And he hit a guy that I've literally never heard of. Like, I'm obsessed with baseball. I have never heard of David Hensley, which is the batter that he hit. And you, you, can't, you can't hit the guy who's pinch hitting for a guy who pinch hit for someone else. Um, and that's what happened. He hit Hensley. I mean, the pitch to Pena wasn't terrible. Um, Pena's a good hitter. But, like, I mean, Paul said it himself after the game. Robbie Ray should have never been in that game. But that's what it came to, and he poorly executed a pitch. I don't think that's – I think Robbie would agree with that. And it cost the Mariners the game. But this started before Robbie Ray warmed up in the bullpen, even though that's what we want to focus on. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, Well, let's – look ahead to Thursday. It's still uh, some games to play here for Seattle, right? That wasn't a must win. Obviously splitting the series feels like a necessity. They have a chance to do that on Thursday with Luis Castillo on the mound. I mean, how do you get past these guys? I feel like I figured out the recipe in watching this game and then it wasn't enough. I mean, what does Seattle need to do? Well, you know, this feels, this feels kind of similar to like when Mike Trout comes to T-Mobile park and hits five home runs in a three game series. And we all think, man, Mike Trout mashes the Mariners. Guess what? Mike Trout mashes everyone. And guess what? The Astros won 106 games. So they beat a lot of teams a lot of times, and it wasn't just the Mariners. So, I mean, Stacey, you're right. Like, it does feel like the Mariners can't get past the Astros, and that's because they're one of the favorites to win the World Series. Well, let's start with that. Um, you know, the, the Mariners uh, certainly showed – that they have the ability to hang with the Astros. Uh, We've known that. We saw it yesterday. What has to happen is you have to have great starting pitching. And the Mariners had really good starting pitching yesterday. And hopefully they'll have even better starting pitching with Luis Castillo. And this is a rare game where, or rare series and matchup where the Mariners don't have the bullpen advantage. I mean, you can... You can make the case, if you want to cherry-pick certain numbers, that the Astros' bullpen is better than the Mariners' bullpen. I mean, it certainly feels like that right now with some struggles the Mariners' bullpen has had just in the last uh, couple of games. But this isn't the typical Mariners' game where uh, knock a starter out early, get into their bullpen, give the Mariners' bullpen the lead, and send it to the house. Uh, It's much more complicated against the Astros. I mean, to me, when I look at their lineup, for as great of an offense as they are, and they are great, uh, it's not the same length of a lineup as we saw when they were really crushing things, um, when they were long one through nine. I mean, to me, when you start to get to the bottom of the order, you have to handle those guys. Yeah. I mean, what we saw yesterday, Guriel is not the batting champ that he was a season ago. Mancini can pop it out of the ballpark. He's been uh, zero strong. He hasn't been much other than home runs. Um, McCormick's a really good fastball hitter. 
but he doesn't scare you. And then their catchers are their catchers. They're just, they're not doing much. Um, so you have to handle the bottom of the order. You cannot have traffic on base for Altuve. And then obviously eventually Alvarez and Bregman, uh, that has to happen from a pitching side of things. Uh, and suddenly the Mariners offense hasn't been a problem. Um, hopefully that can continue, but you know, Castillo has been as good as there is in big games. He's, he has been as big of a big game pitcher as you could possibly hope for. And the Mariners are certainly hoping for that come game two. Hey, make sure you're tuning in tomorrow. Mariners pregame coverage, extended pregame coverage right here on Seattle Sports Station will begin two hours prior to the pregame show. We've got an 11.30 pregame show, so that means 9.30 a.m. is when your extended pregame coverage begins. You'll get a half hour of Brock and Salk, and then you'll get an hour and a half of Bump and Stacy with Ryan Roland Smith. We're going to be down at Hatback Bar and Grill once again for the Mariners viewing party with uh, big screen TVs there. They've got the beer garden going, tons and tons of great food at Hatback. You do not want to miss that. Uh, that is extended pregame tomorrow, two hours prior to the pregame show, 9.30 to 11.30, and then 11.30, Shannon Dreher will take you up to first pitch at 12.37. Let's check in on the Astros after game one. Chandler Rome of the Houston Chronicle, he joins me next on Extra Innings. Don't go anywhere. This is Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network.